the main thing I look for, Kieran, in a silage analysis report is dry matter digestibility or digestibility. The average DMD for silages in silage in Ireland currently is about 69 or 70 percent. And a lot of people consider that if you have a 70% DMD silage, you have a good silage, where in reality, you only have an average. My target for feeding to pregnant jaws or finishing beef cattle is a DMD of 75 plus percent DMD. Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch and welcome to Overcast, the Chocolate Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you latest insights, advice and technical updates for the sheep industry. In this week's episode, we talked to Dr. Tim Keady about the importance of silage testing and what the results mean. Tim explains the variation we see in results nationally, what each of the measures mean, and most importantly, what are the implications for feeding. We discuss how the results could highlight areas to focus on for next year's silage harvest, and we finish up the episode with Tim discussing the implications of feeding, different feed value silages has on animal performance, and the amount of supplementation required. We start off, however, with Tim emphasising the importance of getting a silage test conducted correctly early in the season to know the feed value of your winter forage. Well, it's very important to do it early in the season, Kieran, because you want to know what is the analysis and what's the feed value of your silage when you're developing a nutrition plan, whether you're feeding uh, pregnant joes, finishing lambs or finishing beef cattle. Uh, when you're taking a silage sample, it's important that it has to be representative of what is being fed. So either if it's a, si- if it's a silage pit or a silage clamp, minimum of t- three samples should be taken with a core down through the middle. If it's b- with bales, you should try and sample a minimum of three different bales. It's also important that when you're sampling that you take a clean sample, that when the sample is being placed in the plastic bag, that it's actually mixed so that when it goes to the lab, there's a better chance of a representative sample being taken from the trouble that you put into it, taking the three cores of the silages. Tim, like this might seem obvious, but when there's multiple cuts on the farm, uh, particularly maybe in the case of bales, where there's a section that's done as off, takes first or second cuts, like you really need a sample from each of them and divide out how they're going to be fed based on the results. Yeah, you need to take a sample of whatever uh, cut of silage you're feeding or whatever batch of silage you're feeding to your, your stock this winter because you need to be able to develop a nutrition plan. And by nutrition plan, I mean this, what level of concentrate supplementation would be required and at what stage to give you a given level of animal performance. So look, it's a task that really should be completed long before we start actually introducing concentrate to use in late pregnancy. So it's something that needs to be done in the next couple of weeks. Tim, when we send off that sample for a nutritionist, we're going to get back a report from the various labs. It's going to contain a lot of detail. Maybe let's put some of this in a little bit more perspective. Would you maybe just give me your kind of target for some of these key criteria? And you know, What kind of range do we typically see at farm level? Well, Kieran, if we take the average of all the silages that are analysed in Ireland every year, the averages very rarely vary. For example... You could have an average silage with a dry matter of about 25%, a DMD of 69%, crude protein of 11 but That's the average. But to, within the, the average is just the average of a large number of silages, so there's a big range. For example, while the average DMD may be 69% DMD, it actually ranges from a low of 52 to a high of 82% DMD. So in other words, if you had a low DMD silage, it wouldn't even sustain animal performance. It would lose a lot of weight, whereas the high, and it would require a lot of concentrate supplementation to get any optimum level of performance. Whereas at the high DMD silages of the high 70s, low 80s, you get high levels of lamb, animal performance with low levels of concentrate supplementation, either for pregnant Jews or finishing beef cattle. The average dry matter in silage uh, last year would have been about 28%, but that would have varied from a low of 12% up to 76 
The average pH would have been 4.2, but it varies from 3.5 up to 7.2. And the average money, and the average crude protein content would be 11%, but varies from a low of about 8%, which is basically straw, to a high of 19%. So what I'm what this is telling us is, even while the average might be okay-ish, you need to know the analysis of the silage that's actually on your farm and not the average from the country or the, or the range for the country because the average in your silage could be anywhere within them figures that I'm after quoting. And for you to be able to develop a nutrition plan, you need to know the analysis of your silage to get the concentrate le- the level of concentrate supplementation and type of concentrate supplementation correct. Maybe just over the next couple of minutes, would you break that down for me a little bit, maybe in relevance of you know, what's the most important things to look for first and explain some of the nuances in it in terms of how that might impact intake or what kind of a measure of preservation it is? Right. The main thing I look for, Kieran, in a silage analysis report for feeding the beef cattle or sheep or dairy cows is dry matter digestibility or digestibility. The average DMD for silages in silage in Ireland currently is about 69 or 70 percent. And a lot of people consider that if you have a 70 percent DMD silage, you have a good silage, where in reality you only have an average. My target for feeding to pregnant jaws or finishing beef cattle is a DMD of 75 plus percent DMD. And the reason I say that is that DMD influences firstly the energy concentration or the metabolizable energy concentration of the silage and secondly influences its intake characteristics. So DMD is one of the major factors affecting the nutritive value and the feed value of a grass silage. And let me give you an example. Uh, if you're talking about intake, each 1% increase in intake in, in DMD will actually increase intake by 1.5%. Also, an unit increase in a DMD will also increase the energy concentration by about 0.16 megajoules of ME per kilogram dry matter. So it's influencing both the energy concentration and the intake capabilities. The second thing I look at would be the intake characteristics of the silage. And that, that is often given in an intake as an intake uh, figure. And it can vary quite dramatically. And the major factors that affects the intake figure for a silage is anything that affects the rate of digestion within the rumen. So you're talking about mainly the fiber fractions and the protein fractions. So again, we're back to dry matter digestibility. The second factor that affects it will be uh, protein. And we can see that if you silages, that if you increase protein from about 8 up to 13%, you'll get an increase in silage intake going from 13 to 16% protein, there's little or no effect on intake. But if the protein content is too high, protein per se can actually reduce intake once you go above 16 or 17%. And the third factor that from a farmer's point of view that affects intake is dry matter concentration or dry matter percent. And each 1% increase in dry matter percentage of the silage increases intake by about 1.3%. The third thing I look at is the dry matter. And the dry matter is just basically how much dry matter is in the silage or what percentage of moisture inverse is in the silage. So the higher the dry matter, the lower the moisture, the higher would be the intake characteristics. But the reason I'm also interested in the dry matter concentration is because it, it impacts what are the fermentation characteristics of the silage that will have an influence to be termed a good quality silage. The next thing I look at is the ammonia nitrogen. And when you're considering dry and wet silages, Ammonia nitrogen concentration per se is the best judge of the fermentation quality of a silage. And my target is less than 10% for ammonia nitrogen. So it doesn't mean what it doesn't matter whether it's a wet silage or a dry silage. Once it's less than 10% total night of the total nitrogen, then you've got a good silage. 
a lot of people talk about pH and pH is a measure of fermentation, but the target pH will depend on the dry matter content of your silage. So for example, if you have a silage of about 20%, you like to have a pH down around 4 to 4.2. But if you have a silage that's up around 40%, a pH will often be as high as 4.7 up to maybe 5.4, depending on whether it's in a silage pit or whether it comes out with a big bale. And that kind of situation, if you have a high pH silage and it's a very dry silage, there's nothing wrong with its fermentation because it couldn't ferment because it was a dry it was dry material being put into this silo, a lack of moisture. The they're the major factors that I look at. And the last point I would look at is ash, because if I'm not happy with the digestibility, I look at the ash and the ash is kind of basically a measure of soil contamination and minerals within the grass. And if you have a high ash content, we'll say above 9%, if it goes up to 10 or 11 or 12, that can be an indication of soil contamination, particularly when you're raking the silage or tending the silage prior to being picked up either by the harvester or by the baler. And if you've got soil contamination, you're going to have a negative impact on dry matter digestibility. And for me, when I'm making silage, uh, getting silage made, I think from a farmer's point of view, the most important man on a silage team is actually the lad that's driving the rake or the tether. That is, that machine set correctly, that you're raking and tedding the grass, but you're not bringing in any soil contamination. They're the major factors, Kieran, that I look for when I'm looking at a silage analysis for feeding to cattle or sheep. Tim, that's an interesting synopsis. And one thing that became clear in his, a lot of them factors are interrelated. Yes, they are. But you have to be able to interpret it depending on the silage, particularly on the dry matter concentration, because that's going to have a big effect on the amount of fermentation acids that are going to be available. For example, lactic acid, acetic acid, and ammonia. But my point is that if you get the ammonia right and get dry matter digestibility right, they will all have positive effects on intake factor. I think it's important, particularly for the soil contamination. Look, when we're talking about sheep, maybe more so than cattle, it has a, it possibly a bigger impact on it. Look, you got the result back, Gareth, for breaking it down. We, we interpret it. I suppose there's two big implications or two big actions out of that. So the short term action is how we're going to implement that in the feed plant. And Tim, maybe to cover the latter one first, there's a slightly longer term action you touched on some of the with the man on the rake of how you actually go through that silage making process. It does give some indication too of. Are you making good enough quality silage and is it being preserved or stored correctly? Yeah, I could totally agree with you. The time to look at your ensiling practice and the quality material you'll make is not next May, June or July. It's actually now. Because when you're feeding your silage every day for the next 100 odd days, you've got plenty of opportunity to assess what the, the results of your work from last year. So if you've got a low digestibility, it's an indication that the material going into the silo uh, was too, 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 was cut at too late of a stage in maturity. If you've got low dry matter, it was cut too wet. If you've got soil contamination, there was bad management practices at raking or or, or tedding. So all of these things needs to all of these things need to be taken in consideration. So the same thing. That's that's the longer term actions. That's the plan of what are we going to improve for next year, and it's an important thing to do now and make a good note of it and act on it. The more direct action, the implication of your silage quality for feeding. So either from a point of view of animal performance or the amount of supplementation we're going to have to put in to get that to where we need it to be. That's probably the direct thing that's going to have a big impact on us in the coming weeks. It is, yeah. And it's all going to boil down to what is the digestibility of your silage. But as I said earlier on, that affects the energy concentration and it also affects the intake characteristics of your silage. And if, we, if I give you an example of how important DMD is, 
um, our data would show that with beef cattle, that each one unit increase in, the, in DMD offered beef cattle, you'll increase carcass gain by 23 grams per day. And that sounds small. But most farms have the ability to increase DMD by five percentage units, which inqu- which equates to a 0.12 kilos increase in carcass gain, which is equivalent to 17 kilos carcass over a 150-day finishing period. If we talk about uh, pregnant yews, and some people will have the yews house prior to Christmas for lambing in early to mid-March, and that kind of a scenario, a 1% increase in DMD will increase the body weight of the yew herself at lambing by 1.3 kilos and will increase the lamb birth weight by about 52 grams per lamb. So let's put in a scenario where a farmer increases the DMD from 65 up to 75, up to 70%, a 5% unit increase. The results of that 5% unit increase in digestibility will be that the yew will be heavier by uh, 6.5 kilos at lambing, and the, la- and the lambs themselves will be heavier by about 2.3 of a kilo. So let's put that into, put that into a situation. Post-lambing, if the yew is heavier, she's more body conditioned on her back, she'll be able to milk off her back and she'll be able to sustain high levels, uh, higher levels of lamb performance up to the point of weaning. The lamb will be 0.3 of a kilo heavier at birth and our previous data has shown that each 0.5 of a kilo increase in birth weight increases weight of weaning by one and a half kilos. So 0.3 of a kilo increase in birth weight will increase weight of weaning by about one kilo, which is equivalent reducing the age of slaughter by approximately one week. So in other words, having yours in good condition, producing heavier lambs, will have the lambs going off your farm uh, for a 5% of increase in digestibility by about seven days at a younger age for slaughter next summer. They came like the difference in performance and high and low quality, something we've discussed on the podcast before, it can be quite large and we've indicated there. If we're going to try and maintain that, we're going to have to go in with extra supplement and say they're going to be more of it and in reality probably team start to feed a bit earlier and so just maybe to put that fully in context like in a year where you were struggling with the addition you know that high quality silage even in, in mid-pregnancy versus low quality silage is going to have an impact on that as well yes it is and i suppose can i answer your question in a different way here is that for example in a study that we completed a number of years ago we had two different silages, 79 and 70% DMD, so it's a difference of approximately 10% of units of DMD. The yews that were on the high quality silage actually gained 0.3 units of body condition between mid-December and the point of lambing, whereas the yews that were on 70 DMD silage, which is considered to be a good silage by many, but in my books it's only the average quality silage, these yews lost 0.7 to 0.8 or 0.9 units of body condition. Their lambs were a bit lighter at birth, and when they came to weaning, the lambs of weaning were approximately 2.5 kilos lighter at weaning, and they took 16 days longer to reach the point of slaughter. So the data clearly indicates that good quality silage improves performance of pregnant yews. Now, the second thing with that was that the yews from the high quality silage were in better condition at the point of weaning, so you had more options post weaning to next turn out how you managed them. Uh, you didn't have to gain in as much weight. Now, if you wanted to get the same level of performance from the medium quality grass silage, a lot more concentrate supplementation would be required. And at this stage, you have to decide what is your target. Are you trying to get the yews to have the same body condition? Are you trying to get the yews to have the same lamb birth weight? Or are you trying to do uh, to pick what is what you consider is the most economic term? And I think roughly that each week you delay harvest of your grass silage that the following year 
you're going to have to supplement your yolks with an extra eight to nine kilos of concentrate to make up for the loss in the feed value of the silage and the animal performance of the yolk herself that would have been housed from mid-December up till March will require an extra eight to nine kilos of concentrate supplementation for each week you delay harvesting your silage and you still probably won't get the oats to the same level of body condition. Tim, the, the interesting thing, and that, like what you covered there, is interesting that comparison, but to take that one step further, at 70 DMD, which is a moderate quality silage, as you can hear, some would consider that good. The still loss condition, enough with adequate supplementation going into 0.3, that's, look, that's within the tolerance of what we can accept. If we look at lost silage out there, there potentially then maybe a 65 DMD, if it's a bulky cut of silage that was made, so there is a potential risk in terms of performance of that yield. She will actually lose more condition. So either they're going to have lower birth weight lambs, which might be inevitable, or that yield will actually lose more condition, which is probably more likely because they're on it right through mid-pregnancy and hopefully supplement in. So on a lot of farms out there, the impact of silage quality could even be larger than that. And that might explain some of the problems we see post-lamb and lamb performance in, in typical seasons. Yeah, yes, it could because there's two aspects. There's lamb birth weight, but when the lamb is born, the bigger lambs will require more milk production to to maintain their optimum levels of body condition. However, the partition of energy intake by the ewe will be influenced by her own level of body condition score. In other words, if she has good levels of body condition score, she will partition more energy to milk production. But if she is in a low body condition score, lambing, her priority will change maintaining and gaining her own body condition rather than achieving high levels of lamb birth weight. In other words, more fat will be laid on the bod- on her own back as body condition score and the energy concentration in milk output both due to composition and quantity will be will, will not be as high as if she had a high level of body condition score. Okay, so look, all of that really highlights important. Our starting point there is the forage analysis. To an extent, Tim, you have whatever silage you have now, and we just have to adapt the feeding plan to try and really supplement or make up the difference there. You, you are where you are for this year, but this year, what you're feeding now should be the foundation for your thoughts and management plans for next year to improve and produce a high-quality silage, which will give you far more opportunities and uh, in your nutrition planning next year in terms of level of concentrate supplementation and type of concentrate supplementation. So really, Tim, look, this is one of the tasks we should definitely put on the agenda for the coming weeks. Yes, it is, because I, you need to know uh, what is the feed value of the forage that you're feeding to your animals at, at this stage of the winter. You need to know the results so you can implement a nutrition plan so you get the maximum benefit from the nutrition plan that you implement. The sooner you implement it, the better. Tim, it's good getting you on. Certainly timely. Appreciate that update from you today. Uh, thank you. We'll leave it there for this week's episode. I'd like to thank Tim for coming on with us and explaining why getting our forage tested is important, how we go about interpreting them results and what the implications of different feed value silages are. It's an important thing to focus on at this time of the season. That's it for me for this episode. For updates from our sheep programme, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chalk Sheep. I'm Pierre Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us for more episodes.